DJ PK, it's time to bring in Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He joins us every week to talk college football, and he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain's given free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Lincoln, good morning. DJ PK, it's okay. What's going on, man? Everybody okay? Everybody is yeah. okay. Everybody yeah. is looking forward to a big game Friday night in Las yeah. Vegas. Utes or Ducks, and I think we all know that a second game will probably look different than a first game, and man, the Ducks, they, they got to play better than that. I think they, everybody's thinking that, but you're an old offensive lineman. The Utes <laughs> dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Is that really going to change dramatically, or are the Utes going to be able to count on that edge in this game? Well, knowing Mario Cristobal, the, uh, the, the coach of Oregon, I think that will change. I don't know how you change it, because the thing is, is that when you're physical against another team, you're just physical against another team. I don't know what you do to you, you put more people in a lot of scrimmage. How do you change that? Because it's an attitude more as than than a technical adjustment. And the thing is, for Oregon, you know they've got something to prove. They 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 went into they went into Ohio State and Columbus and beat a very good Ohio State team early in the year, and they kind of had their way through the conference throughout the year, but. They didn't against Utah. So, you know, the second game around, you know what the, the other team's going to do. you got to try to um, sort of uh, go against it or, you know, combat it. It's easier said than done because there's no way that you can coach physical. physical. It has to come from inside the guys, if you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. I'm wondering, as uh, you being the former player, how much can Cristobal tap into guys, man, we got our butts kicked, we got to show them, as opposed to, all right, yeah, that might be there, but we got to look at the technical aspect of the game and make sure we improve in whatever areas that we need to improve in. Well, that's the thing. See, the, the, the thing is paying attention to details. A lot of times it's easier said than done. When coaches, you know, address a team, and they're like, well, we got to play more physical, we got to be more physical, you know, a lot of times it goes in one ear and out the other because a lot of times guys think they're playing physical. It wasn't like they were, you know, playing soft um, or they purposely played soft. They just got their butts handed to them. So this time around, it's, there's more of a pride thing that has to come from within for guys who want to stand up and play better. So I am uh, I'm curious how much of that is just adrenaline. I mean, if you look at me, you know that dude didn't play offensive line after the fourth grade. He wasn't big <laughs> enough. So how much of that is it? Because you hear offensive linemen when you really talk to one, and, and we work with Hans Olsen, and every once in a while he will just really get into line play and technique and where your hands go. How much of that is that, and how much of it is PK's jersey attitude. I'm going to line up across from you. You freaking humiliated me two weeks ago, but it is not happening today. And you get the adrenaline rush going, and you handle a guy who did kick your butt for three hours two weeks ago. Well, that adrenaline rush has to be handled with control because if you have or you just see red in your eyes and you want to go out and take somebody's head off, you're going to be playing out of control. And a lot of times that creates penalties, creates miscues. More times guys get you out of your what your, your, your true assignment uh, and, and adjusting for it. So you got to play within control. you got to be controlled. But a lot of times when you play in a team another time 
or a second time. And it happens more so in the pros than it does in college. It's an opportunity to get your revenge. You know what you did wrong the last time? You try to make up for it this time because you're hoping to do the same thing. Now, for the other team, it's like, you know, I'm not going to do the same thing I did to you last time. I know you're going to be prepared for it. i got to do something new to you. That's why you have to play with the control, and that's why you have to play smart. And we'll see if Oregon is able to play smart against Utah this time because last time they didn't get it done. No, they certainly didn't. You look at uh, Utah's ability to stop or. Oregon State, or Oregon, I should say, in the run, and it was very impressive. And then conversely, the Utes, which has always been a staple under Kyle, actually both run defense and run offense. Uh, that's what we've known, come to know for his program for so many years. Uh, but I was surprised, I don't know if I was surprised, maybe that's the wrong word, but that Oregon couldn't run the ball at all because, and I realize they got Verdell out, but Dye's pretty good, and that other freshman's decent uh, what can be done from a technical aspect to make sure that they have better success, speaking of Oregon, being able to run the ball? It's absolutely essential that Oregon has to run the ball, so they have to pay attention to details again. They're going to have to start with more simplistic runs uh, where you're running inside of the tackles, between the tackles, to run downhill and attack Utah uh, as best you can. And more importantly, the thing is you have to stay with it. Because Utah is going to be ultimately prepared for those initial runs and to start the game. You might get, you know, one or two yards a run. The thing is, is later in the game, you have to open that up to where you get four or five yards a game, uh, four or five yards per run. And you have to, you have to push the, the, the Utah defense. Easier said than done because Utah's prepared for it, especially with the rotation. So you're going to have to find an answer for Devin Lloyd. You're going to have to find an answer for Utah's defensive line. Uh, more importantly, you're going to have to find an answer to the way that you can address the safeties coming in the box to help support the run. Uh, and you got to get some push up front. And that's, that's going to be the key to Oregon's success if they're going to have any. So for years, we watched BYU and Utah play Air Force, and we have gotten used to watching a team that can run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and they don't throw it often. But when they hit you, they hit you for a big play. There's plenty of doubters and plenty of people critical of Anthony Brown. Do you think he can make a handful of big plays? He doesn't usually have to carry this team because they can usually run the ball. And if they only run for 63 yards like they did against the Utes, they're probably beaten no matter what he does. But do you trust him to make a few big plays in the second half of a close game if it comes to that? Well, look, I'm thinking Utah's going to win this game again. I, I thought Utah was a more physical team all year, so I'm not surprised that Utah's in this position uh, to play Oregon for the Pac-12 championship. As far as Anthony Brown's concerned, I, I, I thought when the games that I did with him with the Pac-12 network, he didn't really truly understand his progression or trust his receivers. Now, as the year progressed, obviously that trust increased and stuff like that. But still, there was there was a, a, a lacking from a guy who came from a passing school in Boston College to where he is right now. Uh, with that being said, if the run doesn't work and doesn't allow you to open up play action or how you open up lanes to, run, to throw the ball, it's going to be a long day for Oregon's offense. I still am not there with Anthony Brown throwing the ball more times than running the ball and think that Oregon's going to have a success. Yeah, I agree. I've been saying that all season. I'm with you, Lincoln. Arm in arm. You probably don't want me to be in arm in arm with you, but I am arm in arm with you, you on this cause. Okay. We, we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> <It's all good. laughs> I also was surprised that Oregon's defense last week against Oregon State really controlled the run because Oregon State yeah. has been a great running 
offense yeah. all season, but you, Oregon's defense, I think that I wasn't surprised that they won the game, but as I watched the game and then, of course, look at the stats afterward, that, wow, they really did a good job. How much do you think that they can be effective run def- defense against Utah's run offense? I think that was a true test for the Pac-12 championship. To slow down Oregon State's run offense, negate them, make them one-dimensional, was going to play into their favor when they played against Utah. And I think that was a good sign because, if anything, it built confidence coming into this Utah game. Look, the last time these two teams came, uh, played, uh, you know, they were out physical that you guys mentioned. We talked about earlier in this, in this interview. If this was a good sort of prelude to come, if you will, as you build up to this moment to see if Oregon can stand the, you know, can stand the true test. Uh, and and they, they were able to work it. I wasn't necessarily surprised. Uh, I thought Oregon State was going to be better, uh, sort of more of tuned to, to, to play Oregon when they did, but I wasn't necessarily surprised because Oregon's a good football team. I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but it's going to be anyone's guess if they can duplicate that against Utah because I think Utah is still more physical even than Oregon State. The Utes have been throwing the ball better this year. People are falling in love with Cam rising. Uh, but there are Ute fans who are still scarred by the passing game's inability to, to get it done at different times over the last, well, many years, actually. Uh, <laughs> is, it, is it different now? Should Ute fans put away the old nightmares and trust the Cam rising? And the passing game are going to make big plays against the Ducks. Appreciate the tight end play for the Utah offense. And what I mean by that is the fact that you've got tight ends that can run effective routes that are good size, and it makes it very difficult for opposing defenses to slow them down. You don't have linebackers who are capable of staying with them. You don't have safeties who are capable of staying with them. So appreciate the tight end passing game when it comes to this offense. And more importantly, Ryzen, Kevin Ryzen is playing well. He's learned what he has as far as weapons to throw down the field. I think that the Utah fans should appreciate that. It's come a long way. But Andy Legwood and this coaching staff has put a lot into this team, especially using the tight ends. They're 12 and 13 personnel. Appreciate it because it really is fundamentally sound, and it's good to see because, you know, for, for a young quarterback who might have struggled early or might have not really found his way, to know that he can depend on those tight ends and they'll be effective is really a, really a fun thing to play with. Last week when you came on the day before Thanksgiving, I asked you about the coaching hires and how sexy the uh, USC Trojans needed to be. So they go and get a big name. Do you think that that was sexy enough? And what's your anticipation of this person in this job? USC is a top five job. It is a high profile job. Um, the fact that they went out and got Lincoln Riley was surprising and, and, and commending, you know, absolutely um, from the standpoint where I believe that if USC football is relevant, not only in Pac-12, but in the national standings, it's relevant for football, much like, you know, the Dallas Cowboys or the Raiders for professional football. If they're relevant, it's good for football. That's the same thing for USC. I think now USC is going to be relevant. They're going to be a team to watch. They're going to be a team that's going to gather a lot of attention. I'm surprised that they were able to get Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma, but at the same point, it is a very sexy pick, and you know, congratulations to the Trojans. So after the Michigan-Ohio State game, uh, Harbaugh took a tremendous shot at Ryan Day. You know, the whole some people are on third base and think they hit a triple, and they didn't. Um, so Lincoln Riley, was, 
was he born on third base getting that Oklahoma job? Does, <laughs> is he, I mean, that's not who Harbaugh was talking about. But and if yeah. you're the Pac-12, you got to wonder, well, Oklahoma was up and running. Now, you did a great job of running it for five years to win 55 games. But USC is not up and running. USC, that car's got to be rebuilt. Yes. And, and, and see, that's when you need someone who runs, who's, who was able to run a program. I know that Oklahoma's established, but at the same point, Lincoln Riley did wonders for the quarterbacks that he had. And you guys know as well as I do, in this game, if you have a quarterback, you have a chance. So it, it's, it's up to Lincoln Riley to bring in the recruits, especially a quarterback, to make you know, USC viable again. I think he can. Uh, you know, USC uh, without Lincoln Riley is a brand that's well known. It's been down for some years. Clay Helton tried to find his way. He never really found his true way. But since Pete Carroll left, um, USC has been trying to figure out what, who they are, their true identity. I think Lincoln Riley brings that back. Much like Chip Kelly brought it to UCLA, much like you know Herm Edwards brought it to ASU, you know regardless of the future of those programs, the fact is is that USC has to be viable in the conversation with college football, and because it is a highly prolific job, Lincoln Riley is a name that's been out there that's been associated with possible you know pro names for many years. And Heisman Trophy winners, as well as Heisman Trophy candidates, you saw the job that he did in Oklahoma. You saw the fact that he, you know, had two quarterbacks. One of them, you know, Spencer Rattler left uh, for another for another place. But you saw what he was able to do at his time in Oklahoma. You're hoping that he brings that same sort of notoriety to SC. If he makes SC viable, it's great for college football, and I think he will. How about the two Washingtons with the uh, promotion or elevation of the interim head coach at yeah. Washington State and then uh, what Washington did? You know, when, when you look at what the, the Washington school is doing, they're trying to get in line. And I knew that, you know, I have a personal relationship with Jen Cohen. She's a good friend of mine, uh, the athletic director of Washington. I knew she had an uphill job to try to find someone, especially with the jobs that were available. Think about it, guys. LSU, Florida, the USC, just to name a few, that were available. Can you remember the last time that's happened? Because I can't. You know, you talk no. about jobs that are open that you have to find candidates for. And more importantly, you know, if you're Washington, it was as a proud alumni, it was to me, it wasn't so much about the sexy sizzling pick. It was about a good quality pick, someone who knows how to run a program, someone who can build a coaching staff, someone who loves recruiting. And it was, the, you know, there was a very small amount of names that, that fit within that. And I think, you know, Washington was able to do a good job and finding, you know, somebody who's come up the ranks and was at Fresno State and was able to move, to move up. As far as Wazoo, the same thing happens because Wazoo wasn't going to look as good as, say, Washington. Nothing against Wazoo. It is what it is. But Wazoo did from within because they realized watching their kids respond to what the coaching transition happened throughout the year and watching how they played, it was the right move. And I really appreciate the fact that Wazoo said, you know what, we don't need to try to outshine anybody. We need to step out what we have. Let's look at within and see what's work, and let's build from there. So... When Notre Dame loses a coach and they still have a shot at the playoff, it's like that was like the last bridge, right? We've seen plenty of coaches, head coaches, take off before a bowl game. There's nothing new about that. We've seen coordinators take off even though there's a playoff game to be played. The last thing you didn't do was have a head coach leave before the playoffs. And Notre Dame may not get in. Games may not break their way. But games might break their way. It's not a reach. How much did that bug you and how much did you think... 
hey, he's got a better chance to win a national title and giving him $95 million bucks. This is just what it is. Who cares if he left? And if they have to go to the playoffs without a coach, well, too bad for Notre Dame. I, you know, look, Notre Dame, like SC, is a high-profile job. Um, there are very few organizations or schools in a country that can stand alone uh, and stand on their own and support themselves. BYU, Texas, Notre Dame, SC, you know, um, you can even say Alabama at this particular point don't need conferences to be successful. But I thought with Brian Kelly, I thought specifically Notre Dame has such stringent recruitment policies that they weren't going to allow themselves to recruit the same people that would the same guys that would go to a LSU or go to an Alabama or go to somebody else SEC schools. And and that's good. I mean, look, you, you, you are who you are. But as long as Brian Kelly was at Notre Dame, he wasn't going to win a national championship. It's been proven. Regardless of the playoff situation this year, even if Notre Dame got in the playoff, they weren't going to beat you know Alabama. They weren't going to beat Georgia. But let's let's not try to fool ourselves. Heck, they couldn't even beat Cincinnati, who was up for the, the, the playoffs. So you know it would have been another time where you're hitting your head on the goalposts and you're you're frustrated that you're not able to cross that level. So I'm not surprised that Brian Kelly took the LSU job. If you can't beat them, join them. Now he'll take his talents down to the SEC. He can recruit the same guys as Alabama, Georgia, and those other schools, and maybe they have a chance to compete, and maybe he can finally you know, get that uh, elusive national championship or be able to chase the competition to where he's able to, to compete with them. As far as Notre Dame being open, you know, uh, until Notre Dame gets off his high horse and starts understanding the way things are like a lot of schools, look, Washington needs to understand that NIL is important when it comes to recruiting. If you want to sit there and try to hold your academic standards by today's standard, in today's game, you're not going to get those blue chippers. They're not going there because they go to places like Oregon, they go to places other places, you know, and get that NIL money, you know, whether it's cryptocurrency or, 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 or plane tickets or houses or whatever the hell it is, NIL, you better get off your high horse and understand that today's game has changed. Um, until Notre Dame does that, Notre Dame is going to be a great brand, fun to watch on NBC, but they're never going to be any more than a second place sort of standard football-wise, if you know what I mean. Lincoln, we will leave it right there. We'll leave the NFL for another week, but I, I am going to ask you in an ensuing show if uh, Bill Belichick really is Darth Vader in this 16-win streak. <laughs> My gosh, a rookie quarterback and everybody else passed on him and... Are they going to beat the Bills Monday night and win the division? But we'll worry about that another week. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Be good. That's all you show. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. But this week we stay focused on the college game with the Utes having the Pac-12 title game with the Ducks Friday night. All right. Stay with us. Coming up, Joe Ingles is here at 9 o'clock this morning. Joe Ingles at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.